Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be, across this great country or this great land. What do you think I'm gearing up for? Little League Baseball action tonight. It's actually gotten a little bit cold in Nashville. A little bit of a heads up, I'm going to be in Orlando Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for kids' events. Um, And so I'll be out on the road taking a few days off from radio, just giving you a heads up uh, in advance uh, that I will be down there. Uh, But we got a lot to dive into here today. Elon Musk Twitter purchase fallout continues. Ben Simmons getting roasted for not playing. It's interesting just considering the standard that was set not very long ago as it pertains to Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. Trevor Bauer still can't pitch. What in the world is going on there? 75% of kids have had COVID uh, already, according to a CDC study, uh, that they have antibodies. Uh, Novak Djokovic, no vax requirement at Wimbledon. Good news. Kamala Harris has COVID. She's gotten four COVID shots, but she's thankful that she's had those four shots, guys. And a TikTok, TikTok star is under fire for liking some of my tweets. But we begin with the fallout continuing of Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. Elon tweeted in uh, just recently a uh, comment that received a decent amount of attention. And of course, it is one that I will read for you right now. The extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. I agree with Elon Musk here. Uh, It's amazing how much people are running from the idea of just allowing people to say what they really think. It's shocking to me how committed the left wing in this country has become to the idea of censorship. That is keeping people from saying what they really believe on a variety of different subjects. And maybe this is just a coincidence. Maybe there are a lot more conservative, Republican, libertarian-leaning members of the country that are suddenly coming and joining Twitter. But in the 24 hours since Twitter's purchase by Elon Musk was announced, I have added over 10,000 Twitter followers. Now, to put that into context for you, uh, I'm not obsessed with looking at Twitter counts or follower counts in general, but you do notice when suddenly you are adding thousands of Twitter followers. The last time that I added 10,000 or more Twitter followers in a day, to my knowledge, was when I said that I supported the First Amendment and boobs on CNN, which has been almost, I believe, five years ago now. So it's been five years since I've had a day where I've added as many followers as I have in the last 24 hours. I don't think it's coincidental. I think what's going to happen now is since Twitter has announced it's been sold to Elon Musk, I think a lot of the people who have been regulating what is and what is not allowed to trend, what is and what is not allowed to circulate freely on social media, a lot of those safeguards are going to be lifted because they want to argue at time Elon Musk takes over. Oh, see, there was nothing we were doing to artificially uh, direct the conversation on social media, even though the reality is that was certainly occurring. 
And so to me, uh, the Elon Musk Twitter purchase is already having significant consequences in terms of the marketplace of ideas, because at least in theory, it's allowing my account to more widely circulate than it might have before. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe there's a lot more people of a conservative and libertarian bent, aka a rational bent, that are suddenly deciding to join Twitter. Maybe that's the reason why those follower counts have spiked like they have. I just know that mine has gone up by 10,000 followers in the last few uh in, in the last 24 hours. Um, and so I've got a good discussion here for you. I wrote this morning, and I would encourage you to go read this. Uh, I wrote this morning on OutKick 10 different suggestions that I would make to Elon Musk as it pertains to his new ownership of Twitter. I would end almost all bannings. I'm going to count them down for you. Ban almost no public figures from Twitter. I would bring back anyone on Twitter who is banned that wants to return, including Donald Trump. Now, I'm not sure that Trump would be willing to return, but if he is, I would allow him to come back. I would let Alex Berenson back. I would let the Babylon Bee back. I would bring all of those people back. I would also never ban the sharing of a story from a verified Twitter account ever again so that we never have a New York Post-like situation. I would and I do believe this is important, publicize the shadow bans, favorings, artificial boost that Twitter has been providing to certain accounts. I think that's important to see. Make the data on trending topics public. Why does something trend on Twitter? Allow people to prove their true identities and favor people for doing so in terms of the reach of their tweets. In other words, if you are a real person, you should be giving more credence on Twitter than people who are not necessarily real. Conflict is good. Embrace it. Uh, Don't try to protect Twitter conversations for people that are actually uh, uh, always offended or worried about being perpetual victims. Don't label tweets with Twitter editorial opinions. Allow verified users to reward smart, original, or funny tweeters. Uh, I would like to be able to do that I appreciate all of you commenting right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, I'd like to be able to give you more shouts out. I think that makes sense. And let's get an edit button. Uh, Limit it to a set length of time. Allow notations. Edits have occurred. Uh, All of those things, I think, would make sense going forward. Um, But those are my 10 suggestions for Twitter going forward. The biggest topic already now has shifted Should Donald Trump be allowed back on Twitter? I think the answer is yes. But I think the reality is banning Donald Trump has actually blown up in uh, the face of left-wingers who have been arguing for more censorship because Trump's Twitter account, I don't believe, was a net positive by and large in terms of persuading voters to support him. And in fact, two different polls came out yesterday. Harvard Harris and the insider uh, poll. And Trump is up four points head-to-head against Biden in the insider poll. And in the Harvard-Harris poll, Trump is up two points. This is significant because I don't ever remember any polls that ever showed Trump with a lead over Biden. Given the electoral college math favors Trump, if Trump won by three or four points in the popular vote, 
this would actually be a landslide in the Electoral College. I would share these uh, poll results with President Trump and say, hey, not being on Twitter might actually be beneficial to you because the people who already like you are going to vote for you already. But the people that are persuadable, suburban women, uh, certain voters that aren't affiliated strongly with either party, might be more turned off by your behavior on Twitter than you gain. And also, by the way, possible, uh, it is a possibility, I don't know this, that Trump has committed his social, uh, social platforms to truth because of the amount of money at stake there. And as a result, he will not be joining Twitter because contractually he's agreed to promote truth social as opposed to uh, to coming back to Twitter. So we'll see what ends up happening there, but that is the fallout from everything surrounding Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter as we move into day two. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Ben Simmons is being universally crushed over the last 24 hours plus for everything about his decision not to play in game four of the Celtics and the 76ers series. And I thought this was interesting because it was only a few months ago that we were told by all the Twitter blue checks out there that it was actually very brave of Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles not to perform in their sports if they didn't feel like performing in their sports, if they weren't in the best mental space. And what we are seeing happen here is a clear difference in treatment depending on if you are a male athlete or a female athlete. This is what I argued months ago, so this is nothing new for me. But I do find it interesting that Ben Simmons is now in the crosshairs and everyone can crush him for not playing in the series between the Celtics and the 76ers, even in Game 4. Meanwhile, Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka were heroes and it was courageous of them to put their mental health first and not engage in their sport. How do you explain the difference in treatment here? To me, it's pretty clear it's because we have a far more lenient standard for women athletes than we do for male athletes. And that's why I argued, hey, I'm going to hold everybody to the same standard. If Simone Biles is not going to perform at the Olympics, I'm going to try to analogize that in my own mind to what would happen if Tom Brady came out and said, hey guys, you know what? My head's not in the right place. I can't play in the Super Bowl. He would get destroyed. Like Ben Simmons, who is nowhere near as talented as Tom Brady, is getting destroyed right now. It was open season on Ben Simmons. There's no way to reconcile the way that he was treated with the way that Naomi Osaka and uh, Simone Biles were treated, right? You can believe that athletes should sit out, but the standard should be the same for male and female athletes. And I think we judge athletes not just on their ability to perform, but for their willingness to perform. You can't quit at crucible moments in your career and be labeled a top athlete. You certainly shouldn't be praised for being courageous and brave for deciding not to play. That's your right. It's anybody's right not to do a job. 
It's not courageous and brave. I would just point out to you that the dichotomy between the treatment for Ben Simmons, Naomi Osaka, and Simone Biles is almost not being talked about anywhere, even though it is seismic in nature and illustrative of what I think is the difference in treatment between men and female athletes. Speaking of the difference in treatment, Trevor Bauer still can't pitch. It's now been basically a year since Trevor Bauer was suspended by Major League Baseball for allegations of sexual assault. The district attorney investigated those allegations, determined that they were not with merit, and that he was not going to bring charges in regards to that woman. Uh, Now, Trevor Bauer has filed his own lawsuit against that woman, accusing her of lying about him. Now, we'll see what ends up happening with that particular case. That's a high standard to be able to meet. But I would point out that Major League Baseball has to figure out how to handle this case and the fact that it makes no sense to me that Trevor Bauer can't pitch. Now, here's uh, the reality on Trevor Bauer. I think he was not smart to have allegedly engaged in rough sex, but it appears that the woman consented to it based on all the evidence she claimed that she was into that kind of sexual activity. Again, I still think it wasn't smart of Trevor Bauer, given how prominent of a figure he is to have engaged in sex like that, but she consented to it. She seems to have uh, have agreed to what went on in that sexual activity, which is why there hasn't been any charge brought there. And now he's suing her for uh, for lying in a civil court, okay? So, why isn't Trevor Bauer able to pitch? If there are no charges being brought against him, and if he's filed lawsuits against the woman who accused him of sexual assault, why is he still unable to pitch Major League Baseball? Now, longtime OutKick fans, longtime listeners of mine, know that I have long been of the opinion that leagues should not be in the in the business of discipline, disciplining players for non-sports-related activities. That is, if you commit a crime that has nothing to do with playing your sport, then I don't think the league should be suspending you for that, no matter what it is. Whether it's selling drugs, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's, uh, whether it's a bar fight, whether it's attempted murder, whatever it might be, I don't think the leagues should be conducting their own investigations. But if they're going to do that, then when the player is actually cleared, after he's been held out for an entire year, he should get the right to go back and resume his his career. And I do think it's instructive. People get mad at me uh, because I always try to apply a clear sense of principles and precedent to situations at hand, almost like I was a judge. I don't understand how Major League Baseball can suspend Trevor Bauer for an entire year, and the NFL still has done nothing to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's been accused by 24 different women of sexual assault. Now, several of those women also accused him of criminal sexual assault, and it's been decided not to bring charges against him for criminal sexual assault. But the 24 allegations are still out there. All last season, the NFL did nothing. Now, the Houston Texans held Deshaun Watson out of playing because he demanded a trade and refused to play for them anymore. But he was on the roster. He was active. He got his full pay. 
he now has been rewarded with the largest quarterback contract in the history of the NFL. And there are still no consequences for those charges. In fact, in preparation for there potentially being a suspension, the Cleveland Browns actually backloaded all of the money that they're going to pay to Sean Watson so that he'll bear almost no consequences in the first year of his tenure with the Cleveland Browns if he ends up getting suspended. So how can you reconcile Trevor Bauer out for a year, no charges, one woman accusing him of sexual assault, Deshaun Watson, no punishment at all, 24 different women uh, accusing him of sexual assault, no criminal charges being brought. Now, you can say Major League Baseball and the NFL are two different leagues. That's certainly true. But how in the world can two stories like these be so similar on some level and yet the results be so different? In fact, Deshaun Watson, the allegations against him, given the overall number of them, are far more significant than what has been alleged against Trevor Bauer. Yet, no punishment at all for Deshaun Watson. Bauer still remains out. That does not make sense to me. Positive story. Uh, Novak Djokovic will not be required to get the COVID shot at Wimbledon. Now, you guys know I disagree with Wimbledon's decision to ban Russian tennis players. I don't believe that it makes sense to hold a person responsible for the decision that their country makes. In other words, an individual athlete should not be responsible for the choices that their country makes. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, So Wimbledon got that one wrong. But I do think they got the absence of the COVID shot correct. Remember, Novak Djokovic was not able to play in the Australian Open because he refused to get the COVID shot. I salute Novak Djokovic, also Kyrie Irving, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and uh, and many other athletes who were willing to stand on principle and refuse to get the COVID shot because, tying this in, Kamala Harris has just announced that she has COVID. She got two COVID vaccine shots, and she's gotten double boosters. So Kamala Harris has gotten four different COVID shots. What did that mean that Kamala Harris immediately tweeted? It has become a total cliche. Kamala Harris tweeted, Today I tested positive for COVID. I have no symptoms and I will continue to isolate and follow CDC guidelines. I'm grateful to be both vaccinated and boosted. How many people that have gotten four different COVID shots or three different COVID shots get COVID and immediately say, I'm grateful to be both vaccinated and boosted? I had COVID twice, virtually zero symptoms both times. I got the alpha version and I got the Omicron version. I haven't gotten the COVID shot. I was perfectly fine, like the vast majority of people who are not senior citizens, who are of decent health, who have gotten the COVID shot uh, or not gotten the COVID shot. And by the way, this data should be getting more attention. Not surprisingly, it's kind of buried. But the CDC came out today and said 75% of all kids have COVID antibodies. I'll repeat that. Based on their data in February, 75% of all kids have 
COVID antibodies. That means that's not people who've gotten the vaccine. That's people who have already had COVID. Okay. So you talk about almost a zero risk to kids. Whatever COVID numbers are out there, we are now talking about 75% of all kids under the age of 18 having had COVID and therefore having natural immunity. At least 75%, by the way, because some probably have already had COVID and didn't even know they had it. Should be a massive story, barely getting any attention at all. 58% of all adults were found in uh, in uh, the, the CDC study to have already had COVID, including 64% of those ages 18 to 49. Means a lot of you out there have had COVID, never even knew that you had it, were perfectly fine. Alcohol was more dangerous in terms of deaths to people under the age of 65 than COVID was. Drug abuse was more dangerous to people under the age of 65 than COVID. I'll continue to say it. If you are a senior citizen, if you are in poor health, the data would reflect you need to get the COVID shot. Most of the rest of us are going to be perfectly fine. And now we have a massive reservoir of natural immunity, which would theoretically mean it's going to be harder and harder for COVID to spread in large numbers going forward. Finally, there is a TikTok star, evidently. I don't know her. Some of you may know her. I'm not on TikTok. I probably should be. I'll confess that I've spent way too much time on uh, Facebook and uh, and uh, not enough time on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. I apologize to all of you out there. I should have probably spent more time on uh, on these other platforms, given how popular they are. But evidently, uh, this TikTok star, and I'm going to look up her name because I'll get it right for you, uh, is a uh, is is a huge popularity, and she is an under siege right now because she had the audacity to like some of my tweets opposing the idea of lockdowns. Her name is Christina Nagar, and she has built a social media empire, according to my buddy Joe Kinsey, 1.5 million followers a huge number of them on TikTok. Again, her name, Christina Najjar, uh, N-A-J-J-A-R. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce that. But she is under siege uh, for having the audacity to like some of my tweets uh, about, in general, the idea of shutting down the country not making any sense at all. So we're in a strange place uh, where... People are getting in trouble for liking opinions of mine, but I can say whatever I want. It's good for me, but the lesson here for all of you, no matter who you are, never apologize. Never apologize for anything you do. Don't do it. Trust me. People don't want an apology for you. This is about power. They are going to come for you and try to destroy you. Think about the kind of person who goes through and looks at what you've liked in your past social media history. It's not a uh, it's not a genuine interest in apologizing at all. It's about power dynamics, and they want to tear you down. So I will just say, 
over and over again. I'm not saying I'll never apologize because Lord be uh, <laughs> Lord knows uh, I, I I'm married. I apologize all the time for a variety of failures in uh, in my marriage. But the reality is, okay, as you break this down, nobody actually wants an apology. They want to try to destroy you. They want you to grovel. They want to humiliate you. They want their mob to attack you. They are not interested in actual apologies. So never apologize, all right? I've never apologized for anything that I have said in public. Doesn't mean that I might not misspeak at some point, uh, but the reality is this is not about apologies in any way. It's about trying to tear you down because they want the power that you have. No matter where you are, no matter what you do for a living, do not apologize because when you apologize, the audience that already likes you will question why they liked you in the first place. I love all of you. My name is Clay Travis. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been Outkick the Show. Go download uh, the podcast. Great show today with Douglas Murray and Miranda Devine. Make sure you don't miss a moment of the nation's most listened to radio show, The Clay and Buck Show. This, however, has been Outkick the Show. 